0: Hello, you have stumbled onto another episode of Get Your Fill, Financial Independence and Long Life, where we strive for ways to achieve those two goals. The music you've just been listening to is an original score by Carl Zucroff, currently with the band Blue Hotel. But who knows, he may be branching out into other things at some point. I'm very excited that you're here today because we are welcoming Dr. Stevie Don Blakely. Let me just read you one little sentence from her LinkedIn page. Imagine what you could accomplish if you were chasing Mondays because you loved your job and your coworkers. So that just gives you a sampler of what kind of things we're going to be looking at to accomplish today. So I know we're looking for an independent life where we don't have to work. And part of that is loving, loving, loving what you do, loving your life, great communication, great leadership, And we're going to cover all those topics today and way more with Dr. Stevie Don. Now, two things. One is that if you like what you hear, you should click subscribe. If you don't know how to subscribe, you should let me know. (laughs) And everything that we talk about today, I mean, you can be listening anywhere, but if you want to see the links and all the info and, and the video from Dr. Stevie Don and other great resources, then just come back over to the website, which is All righty, enjoy. Dr. Stevie Dawn, thank you so much for being with us today. Let's just start off with that. Like, what do you think of your life? So this is very, like, obviously, huge, broad topic, but of the things that you've done in your life, what are the things that, what do you feel like most excited about, most proud of?
1: Oh geez, that's that's a really good question. Um, you know, I think if I look at my life as a whole, um, I think the thing that I that I probably am most proud of is my ability to take risks, um, being willing to jump off a cliff and do the thing. I mean, not literally, but <laughs> figuratively,
0: yeah.
1: um, and do things that other people would think are are crazy. Yeah. Um, you know, I I think that. I've never had a problem um, since I was a little kid. I've never had a problem stepping outside the kind of safety net and, mm-hmm. and doing different things. And I think that is what I'm most proud of. Not to say that this have all turned out to be amazing decisions or experiences. No. No. <laughs> they have not. Um, but it's it's the, the idea of just following following that path following my joy for me a lot of things come down to if it's going to make me happy yeah i will chase it to the ends of the earth mm. and i think that that's something that i am proud to to have i mm. mean um Some of the more standard like pride-based things would be um, I have a wonderful marriage with my husband. We're going on six years this year. Oh, congratulations. Um, That's amazing. We love it. Um, We get to work in business. Three years ago, I retired him. So we get to work in business together 24-7, which we also love. (laughs) Um, I do have my master's degree in sociology and my doctorate in leadership. Um, which all just goes to show that I can put the word doctor at the front of my name Mm -hmm. so that people feel like I'm important. And I'm okay with that. You know, (laughs) I worked hard to achieve it, so I'm good with it. Um, But really everything I studied was human behavior because I'm just a human behavior nerd. And I love analyzing and psychoanalyzing everything around me and every person around me. So it really is a lot of fun for me. Mm -hmm. And I was able to turn that into a career, which you know, a lot of people wouldn't have that, that luck or that ability. And I'm just very blessed that I was able to do that. And I feel really good about that.
0: Absolutely. Um, Those
1: are some of my big things. And then I guess like my, my most famous thing about me Uh is, um, last year, actually, I won the giveaway on shark week with Three channel. And I went cage diving with great white sharks last year.
0: Oh my God.
1: Yeah. Wow. So that was cool. That's like my most famous thing. (laughs) But I am super proud of it. I mean, you cannot win unless you enter, and I enter every year. But last year, I won. So my husband and I uh, took a trip last October and dove with 18 foot big sharks, and it was amazing.
0: Where did you do that?
1: Um, Off the coast of Mexico at a place called Guadalupe Island.
0: Wow, that sounds was, like an amazing experience.
1: Yeah, it was an amazing trip, and I am—I am the shark lady. I'm the crazy shark lady. I'm addicted <sighs> to sharks anyway, so it was really a dream come true. Um, but it was a very, very cool trip and to win and be like the winner was just a cool thing, right? Because we all enter those things, but nobody ever wins. Exactly. So, you know, nobody you know ever wins. So I was super excited because I won something.
0: They actually do give it away to people they who do. aren't their friends. They right? do.
1: Yes. <laughs> like person who knew nobody. I still <laughs> won. Yeah, it was great. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you said you were lucky and I would agree with that with the shark thing, but for the rest of your accomplishments, I think it's more. You know, your ability or your your um, that personality trait that allows you to take risks, right? I mean, not everybody, a lot of people probably have your same background, a lot of people have gone to the same, so maybe even more education, maybe even more stuff than you have, but not they haven't taken the step the leap of faith to turn that into a career that can sustain two people at least, you know, yeah. plus yeah. Jessica, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Plus my assistant, Jessica, my social media girl, Tracy, and there's a whole team of us now, Yeah, which is amazing, which yeah. is amazing. Yeah. yeah. You know, I think, um, I think the thing I've learned over the years, um, especially in my coaching and and working with other people to try and help them be willing to take risks and make leaps and just really chase their happiness is so many of us wait for other people to give us permission to do what we want to do. And I think there's a, there's a point in everyone's life at some point where you finally decide that the only person you need permission from is yourself. And once you do that and once you make that shift, that's, I think, when really life gets interesting because (laughs) you stop waiting for somebody to tell you it's okay. Um, And I think for me, I've been in cycles of that, right? Like I I had a a cycle of life where, you know, through my teens and through my 20s where I didn't need anybody's permission. I was going to travel the world and do all the things. And I did all that and that was great. Um, But then real life hits you occasionally and you have to take a step back. And I got locked again into this place in, in my late 20s where I was doing everything everybody else told me to do. Like, hey, go, go to school, get your degree, that'll be good. That's what real adults do. And, you know, get, get a career and a job. That's what adulting is all about. Um, you know, date these people, all, all the things. And, and I, I kind of feel like I got to a point where I checked every box, but yet I still wasn't happy. So maybe those boxes are not meant for me, you know, and, and finally saying to myself, you know, I want to do something different, so I'm going to give myself permission to do it and not worry about everybody else. Um, And I think, again, it's, it's a cycle. As you said, it's a process (laughs) and, you know, I constantly have to re-sign my permission slip because it gets really easy to, especially, hey, right now with everything going on with, quarantine and COVID and, and all the things, um, life has changed dramatically in the last several months for me and being able to take that in, but then to say, you know what, though, I know those are external circumstances. I can still choose to feel joy and happiness and to go after my dreams, even though I may have to pivot a little bit today and that's okay. So I I really think that's the key that most people are waiting for is that idea that they have permission in themselves.
0: You know, and sometimes people don't ask. You know, we all know what we think people are going to say if we go and do a certain thing or if we say a certain thing or whatever. Like, oh, so-and-so and this one and that one isn't going to, you know, they think I'm weird or they're going to be upset or whatever. And you don't actually know that, right? You're, if you're waiting for someone to come along and say, you know, you don't look happy, why don't you do something different, you know? <laughs> right? Not going to happen, right?
1: <laughs> I, I once had a, a coach um, tell me, uh, you know, it's really egotistical how we all think that we're all so important that people would actually think about us that much, right? Like like people are actually watching everything you do and making decisions on exactly. it. Like most of us are in that situation. And a lot of times, um, to your point, I think we make an assumption that people will think of us a certain way or, or think we're crazy for doing a certain thing. And then when you actually just go and do it, you realize that they fully support it.
0: Or they didn't it, even notice.
1: <laughs> they didn't, or they didn't even notice because they weren't looking at you, right? Like that part too. And I think it is something where I think we convince ourselves that it's going to be awful yeah. without actually taking the leap into it. One of the one of the tools that we talk about a lot in our programs is um, positive questioning. So the idea behind um, you can ask yourself what's the worst thing that could happen. And you can think that's positive, right? Because we kind of frame it as, what's the worst thing that could happen? I mean, you know, it can't be that bad. Right. But inevitably what you're saying is, but these are all the bad things yeah. that could happen. Instead of positive questioning is asking yourself first, what's the best thing that could happen? Like what, what if you made it, what if you jumped into entrepreneurship and it worked? What if you decided to sell all your belongings and move across the world and it works? Like, let's ask ourselves the positive question first before the negative, because so often we, we just start looking at all the negative things and convince ourselves not to do something without ever thinking about what the positive could have been. And, and I think that's something that does hold people back.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. I always, when I have a situation like that, I always think, well, you know, how am I going to feel if I miss out on this thing? You know, how am I going to feel oh, when I'm lying on my deathbed, right? You know, ah. however long from now that is. And I feel like, oh, you know, what did I do? Well, you know, I had my, I balanced my checking account. I never was overdrawn, <laughs> damn it. You know, like, A life worth living
1: (laughs) A life worth living It's so crazy that you say that Because I think about that a lot Like what do you want written on your tombstone If you had asked me 10 years ago What would be written on my tombstone I could have told you that probably What somebody would write is Man, she works a lot Yeah Is that really what I want to be remembered for? Like, right. I mean, I embrace my workaholicness. I do, but <laughs> yeah. that's not the legacy I want to leave with the world. Like, yeah, here lies Stevie Don. She worked a lot. That's nice, you right. know. And I, I really do want to make sure that I have left the world with something better than I found it in some way. And I think most people have that. And so that question, to your point of just, you know, what if I don't do this? Am I going to regret it? Mm -hmm. You know, when I'm lying on my deathbed, am I going to be like, man, probably should have taken that chance. (laughs) Exactly.
0: Exactly. Look where I ended
1: up. Maybe I would have ended up somewhere different. You know, I think we we have to think those positive things and ask those questions differently so that we give ourselves permission to take those chances.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. A lot of the folks who are listening are... Either they're entrepreneurs or they wish they were entrepreneurs. You know, they have like a, what we call a real job, you know, meaning Mm -hmm. that someone else is giving you money to do something that you, you know, may or may not enjoy doing, but Mm -hmm. um, taking that step to say, okay, I have enough, I've, I've saved enough or I've done enough or I've got enough experience or whatever that I can kind of step out of that little safety blanket. That's also a trap, you know, to, and how do you help people do that?
1: Yeah, you know, I think the the biggest thing for me in, in taking the step was financial. I'm going to be absolutely honest with that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was we had to have enough money and savings that if I did this and it failed, <laughs> we would still survive. Yeah. Um, now, I have known other people that do it with no safety net whatsoever. Um, and I think what... The trigger is when you realize that you're spending so many of your days in a way that you don't like, and you have the opportunity to spend more of your days in a in a way that you do like, right? I I, I call it the perfect day exercise. If you were to plan your perfect day, what would it look like from start to finish? And what if life was all about chasing more of those? Not that every day will ever be perfect Mm -hmm. because you know, even as an entrepreneur, once you make the leap, right, there's a lot of stuff in business oh, yeah, that I have to do that I don't enjoy. Yep. So it's not like all of a sudden my days got amazing. No, there's still a lot of days I don't like. Um, but I get more perfect days as an entrepreneur because I get to create my own right. than I did working for somebody else. So for me, that was the give. And I think when people are are scared, right? Of, oh my gosh, is this going to work? Um, you have to decide if the, there's good fear and there's bad fear, right? Um, bad fear is when we're holding ourselves back with the what if questions, but not actually doing something to try it. Right. So a lot of clients I work with, they're, they are still working a nine to five quote unquote real job, But they're working on their business. And so they'll know before they quit if this is going to work. Yeah. Yeah. And if you do it that way, and you can, it takes a little bit longer because you don't have all the time in the world and you have to find some energy for it. Because, you know, at night after a full day of work, the last thing I wanted to do was work on my business. Right. And I I totally get that. Um, But if you do that, you can know before you jump if it's going to work or not and you can decide to do that, but you have to decide that it's worth it. Yeah. And, and good fear, right, is fear that tells you, um, yeah, you're about to hurt yourself or somebody <laughs> else, you need to not do that. Okay, that's good fear, right? Keep your hands in the cage when diving <laughs> with sharks. That's good fear, right? But bad fear is saying, but I'll never get in the ocean. Right. right. And I'm never going to even give it a chance to experience it right. because I'm so scared. Right. So you have to know. And I think we all know in our gut if it's good fear or bad fear. Yeah. But we forget to ask the question. And so we mm-hmm. just stay stuck. Mm-hmm. And and I always tell my clients, if you can, if you have six months that you can pay your bills, that's my that's my level of good risk. Right. Yep. Six months that you can pay your bills. If you can write, here's the real key: Can you write 75 social media posts about that topic
0: in six months or in a day?
1: (laughs) No, can you? Just as a person, can you come up with 75 things to talk about around what you want to do as a business? Because if you can't come up with 75, you're going to run out of steam really quickly. Yeah. And so, if you've got six months and you've got 75 ideas, and you're willing to put it out there to 10 friends, that's it, 10 friends, you got to be willing to put it out there to 10 friends, if you meet all three of those requirements, you're ready to go, that's my interesting. rule, that's,
0: that's, interesting. That's, that's
1: what you can do, because yeah. those 10 friends, if you can put it out to 10 friends, I'm not expecting any of those friends to buy it, but I'm expecting them to give you some feedback, yeah. what it's going to be like, what they think is a good idea or not, whatever. If you can explain it to 10 people and make 10 people understand what it is you're doing, you're already doing great. I spent the whole first year of my business not being able to tell anybody what I did. (laughs) It would take like a whole 45 minutes for them to understand what my business was. That's not a good business. You're not gonna make money doing that, right? So tell 10 friends (laughs) and if they all understand it, you're good to go. And the 75 social media posts is, I see a lot of people get excited about an opportunity, but they don't dive deep into it enough to have a lot of different ways they could go about it, talk about it, promote it, that kind of thing. So I yeah. say, if you can take out a sheet of notebook paper and you can come up with 75 different things and ideas, then, then you've got enough that yeah. you can pivot and tweak. Because the business I created six years ago is not the business I have now. I had to pivot and tweak along the way. It it doesn't look anything like it. And I think that that's important for people to understand when they make the leap. Yeah. Because it it's going to take you on a wild ride. And it's not going to be where you thought it yeah. would be. But as long as you keep putting your happiness and your joy and your perfect day in your vision, you will get there. And yeah. that's the important part, I think.
0: Yeah, interesting. So you talk a lot about leadership, obviously, in your in yeah. your speeches and stuff like that and i mean correct me if i'm wrong it seems that we have a desperate lack of leadership (laughs) in the world you know i mean in, in business in you know i just see people unable to make any sort of decision or direction and unable to get once they make a decision to get other people to follow them and is there like a is there a quality is there a way is there a secret to creating or becoming a, a good leader, a leader people want to follow?
1: You know, I think, I think leadership probably comes down to two major things, right? The ability to make informed decisions and the ability to communicate that in a way that other people actually like. I think those are really the two, the two major things. Yep. So when we talk about informed decisions, right, what I feel personally, I see a lot of lack in, in terms of leadership in the world, is um, not thinking about all the different parties involved. Mm -hmm. Really easy for us to make decisions based on just our narrow view of the world and not really looking at all the different stakeholders, all the different people involved in any one decision. Um, And that's, that's hard to develop because you really have to step outside yourself. You have to have amazing empathy to try and understand somebody else's viewpoint and lived experience. Um, And it takes time to gain that knowledge and to gain those viewpoints. And so a lot of times as leaders, having to make quick decisions, means that they're not always the most informed. Right. And so I always say to, especially like frontline supervisors, brand new leaders in their companies, I always say start analyzing different stakeholder groups now. Yeah. Even if you don't have to do anything decision-wise with them. Yeah. Start learning about people. Start creating a diverse network. Start hearing about experiences. So mm-hmm. that when you get to that leadership position where you have to make a quick decision, you already have the knowledge. Yeah. I think too often we get to the decision point, but we don't have the knowledge, and then we just have to decide, yeah. and that can go right or wrong. Right. And then I think the second part of leadership is being able to communicate it in a way that people understand. I think we do we talk a lot and say very little <laughs> in our country, um, specifically. i um, <laughs> just going to say that, uh, <laughs> because I think there's a lot of assumptions that everybody's got the same experience or everybody's in the same issue, um, there's a lot of assumptions and there's a lot of expectations. You know, one of my favorite quotes going around during quarantine that I will forever use now, it is one of my, like, principles of leadership that I put up now on my slides for people, is, we are all in the same storm, we are not in the same boat.
0: (laughs) I like you that. You need to
1: understand what somebody's going through in their boat. Right. Um, if you truly want to communicate something that everybody understands. And I think we make an assumption that we're on the same boat. Yeah. And so when we do that, our communication doesn't go well. Yeah. And so there's a lot of assumptions. There's a lot of expectations. We expect people to do things without us saying it. I, I don't think we can ever expect somebody to do something we didn't ask them to do. Right. I, I think hints And, well, they should know are all bad communication tools. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So so I think that is something that's also lacking in the world is just that understanding of good communication. And knowing that good communication takes time um, and it takes a level of effectiveness that I think we've forgotten about in a lot of ways. And so we're, you know, and and I know I've done it too, right? There are times where I just want this person to get out of my office because I need to be doing the next thing. They're just (laughs) taking up my time. Yeah. And so I say something thinking they get it and I'm just like shooing them out of the way. I didn't really take the time to see did they actually understand what I was saying. And so later, three weeks later, when something shows up and it's nothing like what I had planned. You know, I'm going to, of course, instinct says I'm blaming them. They did it wrong. But truth is, I should blame me. I didn't explain it well. And I think we need to get better at saying that about ourselves. When something goes wrong in a relationship, when something goes wrong at the office, when something goes wrong on your team or in your business, the first instinct is always going to be to point the finger at somebody else. And I think our first instinct as leaders has to be to ask ourselves, did we actually explain it to the best of our ability? Because a lot of times I think all of us would go, well, I was in a rush. I didn't feel good that day. You know, I mean, she gets me, you know, and that's never a good place to be. So, so those are really the two things that I think would really help all all leaders at all levels is that diverse perspectives and, and really look making informed decisions with a variety of stakeholder analysis. Um, And then being able to communicate things in a way that people truly understand and people want to get behind. You know, we talk a lot about influence and um, being able to communicate something with passion and motivation and all of that. I think we've had some amazing, what I would call in my business, orators, people who were great at giving speeches. Um, But just because they can put together a really cool language does not necessarily mean that we actually understand what they're saying.
0: Or that they're saying anything.
1: Or that they're saying (laughs) anything, right? And maybe we need to focus more on that (laughs) and a little less on the floweriness of everything, right?
0: And also, like you say, I mean, I've had to realize in my business, which is very simple, you know, I mean, I'm just a real estate agent, but.
1: There's nothing simple about that. My husband (laughs) has gone through the testing. There's a lot of stuff you guys got to learn. So don't you even downplay it. It It's just as complicated as anything else.
0: (laughs) But I mean, it's a very psychological job. Actually, I should have had some of your training to understand, like you know, what is the real problem here? It's all
1: people, right? Your yeah. job is one hundred percent people.
0: One hundred percent, exactly. And it's like you know, well, what do you actually do? I'm like, well, wait till you're nervous and you need to get talked off the fence. Wait till you, you know, then you'll know because you'll be calling me and say. But the, the point is like when you're when I was getting ready to like put together like a a bio sort of thing to put on the website and stuff like that. I started doing some research and, and, you know, things are so obvious. We always think that everybody just thinks the way we think. And they're like, no, you know, you need to speak to people who are more analytical and you need to speak to people who are more, you know, emotional and, you know, get, when you explain things, right. If I'm analytical, I'm going to explain it in an analytical way. And an emotional person is just going to be like, you know, what does she actually want? You know, what's she talking about? I don't, and I'm not going to connect with them, so yeah it's not it's no easy thing to try to you know reach everybody and and, and get everybody engaged when everybody is really so different.
1: Everybody is so different, and I think the the second level of that, right, the first level is just personality traits and um, just differences in communication. We have a tool that we use um, called the Communication Compass, which is all about that, right, analytical versus emotional versus storyteller versus design thinking, like, and once you identify people's communication, it makes your life a little bit better. But I think there's a second level to that, right, which is this idea of, people got stuff going on in their lives, right? And the stuff going on in their life will change the way they hear what you say. Even though you could say the exact same thing two days in a row, if one day they were fine and the next day they had put their dog down, they're gonna respond two very different ways to that exact same conversation. And that's, I think, where that empathy piece is so important right? Because we have to understand that people are going through things. And most of those things we don't know. And we probably don't want to know and definitely don't need to know. But it's understanding that and saying, okay, so when I said that, I noticed their eyes glazed over. So they probably weren't getting what I was saying. I need to come back at it a different way or I need to do something different.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, you know, one of the best tools I was ever taught, and it's so, it's so silly and little, okay, but um, it's, it's called a pulse check. And the idea is when you interact with somebody, if you had to just based on body language and facial expression and kind of their tone of voice, what they're saying, you give them a score between one and 10 on how do you think they're feeling today, right? We all know people come into our lives having a bad day, and you can tell it. Like immediately, you're like, oh, they're having a three kind of day today. Mm -hmm. You can also interact with people who are having great days. And you're like, oh, they're like a nine today. Cool. Right. Mm -hmm. Once you understand, once you take that in and it takes all of like less than a millisecond Mm -hmm. to just look at somebody and go, what's their number? Right. Mm Right. Not like their phone number, but their emotional <laughs> number. I always feel like I need to clarify just to make
0: sure. What's your number? Go off the wrong direction on me, right?
1: Come back, come back. Okay, so once you do that, you know how much are they really listening? Yeah. Because the lower our number, the less we're listening. So if I know I'm interacting with somebody, like for you as a, as a realtor, you have this person who's stressed out because let's say they're a buyer and the seller came back with a counter offer okay if I were a first-time buyer I'd be freaked out like oh I don't know I mean should I accept that or should I should I do something different right all these things so am I feeling an eight in that moment (laughs) no I'm probably feeling a two or a three and so if you give me a quick easy explanation and you think I'm good you would be wrong I did not even hear most of what you said because I was so distracted So, right, it's, it's being able to quickly identify that in the people that we're talking to and saying, okay, if I know that they're having a tough day for whatever reason, I don't need to know why they're having a tough day. They seem a little down. I know that I'm going to need to communicate this more. I'm going to have to say it more than once. I'm going to maybe communicate it a different way, right? Maybe here's an analytical thing. Okay. They still seem upset. Let's try an emotional route. Um, But we're going to have to do that. Because it doesn't matter what we say. It only matters what they hear. And I think as communicators, as leaders, as business owners, as humans, we worry way too much about what we're saying and not nearly enough about what they're hearing. And that's the change that can really make a difference.
0: Oh, God. Absolutely.
1: Right? And you've experienced that in your own work. You can now think of, as I said it, I'm sure people popped into your head and, Mm -hmm. oh, this was an eight, this was a seven, this was a two. And you know now, thinking of it, you're like, yes, I had to communicate slower. I had to talk more. I had to spend more time with that person because they were having a bad day. And we all have bad days. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I always say, I hope that they give me, I hope I can give them the grace and patience that I would want them to give me. Yeah. Because I'm definitely going to have a bad day and I would hope that they reciprocate that.
0: Yeah. But, you know, that's another point though, because as the leader, you know, if I'm having a bad day and they're having a bad day, you know, maybe I'm not even paying attention to the fact that they're not paying attention to me. And I'm just like, look, I, you know, I I don't understand why they don't understand, you know, I just told them that and whatever, (laughs) you know, but it's on us as leaders to make sure that we're, even if we're not having a good day, that we're. Put that away. You know, we got to put that aside. How do you do that?
1: We do. I think you know. One of the things I think as leaders, right, is do you do your own pulse check before you go into a conversation, right? So if I if I know as the leader I'm feeling a three, first thing I'm going to do uh, on my schedule is what can I reschedule? First thing I'm going to do if I know I'm having a bad day, I'm just immediately reaching out, rescheduling, pushing things back because I know exactly what you just said. I'm not going to be listening to them in the way that I should be. And they don't deserve that. So, right. I'm going to start that. Um, One of the things I love about being an entrepreneur is I can actually do that. And nobody thinks that's weird. Whereas like at work, you couldn't, I mean, if every time you had a three day at work, you called in sick, that isn't going to happen. Right. So, um, so it works out a lot better when you're your own boss. Yeah. Um, But I think, you know, being honest with yourself, where are you? And then having the self-awareness, which is one of the most critical pieces of of any leader's toolkit, right? One of the most critical things they can have is self-awareness. Being able to say to myself at the beginning of the day, you know what, I'm having a four kind of day today. So number one, let me reschedule anything that can be rescheduled, right? Number two, when I go into a conversation, how do I say to myself, it's not their fault? And what I'm doing with that, that's a trigger phrase.
0: Yeah.
1: And what it does is it releases them from the blame of any of your discomfort. And so I will say that in my head. I will say it, um, you know, before a conversation, if I'm like talk, going to talk to somebody on the phone, when the phone starts ringing, I say it out loud before I answer the phone. It's not their fault right? Um, and it used to be when I was doing a lot of sales calls, um, but sales like appointments where I had to drive and meet people. And you know, as a realtor, you drive, you meet people, right? Before I get out of the car every single time. And I still do to this day. I've been doing it for years. Every single time before I get out of the car to interact with a new person, a new group of people, I say it's not their fault. And what that does is it releases the blame so that now I'm more able to listen to them because I'm not blaming them for my bad day
0: <laughs> right, right? because it's
1: not their fault, right? Our bad right. day happens because of, I, I mean, you know, we can have all kinds of things happen before 8 a.m. in right. life and it has nothing to do with the people we see at work. It has nothing to do with the people we interact with in our business. It's right. just life, right? right? So yeah. how do I, And thats and that's one of those trigger phrases is what you're doing is removing blame and allowing yourself to open yourself up to listen. But it takes that self-awareness. Yeah. Right. Um, in our in our Joy Chaser Club, um, we talk about mindset every single week. Right. Why do we talk about mindset every single week? Because understanding how you think is the key to everything. So if you can get to where you kind of do that intake all the time, what's my pulse check? I do it every day. Right. You wake up and I don't do it as soon as my head. Hit, 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 Feet hit the floor, because I kind of think at that point, everybody's kind of a 10, right? You got up, so yay, uh, you're doing okay today. Um, I think it's usually like around nine o'clock for me, right? My day starts around 8, 830, around nine o'clock, that's when I kind of take that breath and go, okay, how's my day feeling today? Where am I at? Okay, now we go through the day, right? And I think if we do that, that self-awareness, so huge.
0: So now when you you're doing all this in your job, when you bring it home, do you feel like this has had an impact on your interpersonal relationships, being taken this stuff or you just do it at work?
1: <laughs> oh no, um, this is the only reason we're married six years, I'm just saying. Um, no, I, I think, honestly, I think where we all need the most help is with our family relationships. Um, because they they get the brunt of our discomfort, right? If we think about it, right, You go you go to work, and it's a tiring day, and then you deal with a commute, right, of whatever kind, um, Boston traffic, right? Uh, You're gonna end up feeling like crap when you get home. And then who are you gonna take it out on? You're gonna take it out on the first person you see, and that's probably your family. Um, So yes, I do these things now because I don't have the commute and everything. I don't have to do it as much. Um, But it used to be when I came home each day, when you first pull in the garage, before you open the door, sit there <sighs> who saw it out. It's not their fault. Go in and do that. And I I truly believe that when we interact with people with the idea of I should never make their day any worse if I can help it. That That's always my goal, right? My goal is not necessarily to make their day better. So please realize the difference, right? Because I am not Mother Teresa and I do not perform miracles. I cannot make everybody's day better. I can, however, do the best in my ability to not make their day any worse, right? So being willing to take those moments of self-awareness checks before you go and interact with your family. Um, Assumptions and expectations are huge in family relationships, especially um, significant others and children. Um, You know, we expect our significant other to understand an eye roll and exactly what it means even if they're not looking at our face when it happens. That's not good communication. That's not good relationship building, <laughs> but that's Aww, what we expect. Bad. <laughs> um, but, you know, my favorite, my favorite example of this, and I tell this story on my husband all the time, which he, loves because he loves me. Um but uh you know when when you first move into a new house right we moved into a new house about 6 years ago now. Um and uh trash day changes right when the trash and recycling gets picked up changes days. So from us it changed from Friday to Tuesday um when we moved to this new home in this new neighborhood. So Monday night I say to him trash day tomorrow and he says yep. Now see I think that What I really said there was please go and take the trash out because of trash day tomorrow. In his mind what I he was just really proud I remembered. So that's where expectations and assumptions. Right. Exactly. He had, I made a lot of assumptions and I had a lot of expectations in that phrase. Right. Which and we was, do that with
0: you're the, the man, which means mm-hmm. you have to remove the garbage from the house. So right. I, like, so, now.
1: I mean, it made perfect sense in my brain. <laughs> so then the next day when I wake up and it's not done. Now, what do I get angry? Sure. Right. Because there was an expectation that wasn't met. But what does he get? Nothing. Because he didn't even realize there was a problem right? Because it, it didn't make sense to him because we didn't actually say that. Right. There was a lot of inference and assumption in my actual phraseology, right? And so I think we have to be very careful with that, um, with our spouses. Um, and so one of the things, I mean, not only do we have that story, which means we get to talk about it all the time. And I already heard him giggle in the room because <laughs> we say that story again. Uh, he hears it a lot. Uh, but, <laughs> but one of the things that we have learned to do with each other is to ask each other that question, right? What, what expectations do you have of me with that? When we just say something offhanded, like what are your expectations of me? Because I feel like we need to clarify. And I, I think that's the reason that we're able to work 24-7 together and never get sick of each other and still vacation together and do all the things is because we're really good at clarifying expectations, both personally and big time professionally. Because yeah, yeah. working together is a whole other ball of, stuff that you have
0: to dynamic, yeah.
1: Um, but yeah, so to your question, I I think interpersonal relationships, all these skills and all these tools work just as much with them as it does at work. Um and and for me, I think in some ways we should probably focus more on the home ones first because those are the people that got put up with you the longest. So the work people only have to deal with you eight hours a day. So they can well, and also,
0: it's, if you have a happy home life, it, it helps you at work. You know, yeah. If you're walking out of the house pissed off every morning because yeah. you know, your significant other didn't get the drift of what you were trying to yep. say, when I w- woke up and said, I'm hungry, you were supposed <laughs> to go cook something. Oh.
1: Exactly. <laughs> when I say, hey, my water cup is empty. I'm expecting that it be refilled, right? But that's not what I say. I don't say, hey, could you please go fill my yeah. glass with water? Like, but yeah, and I think um, especially as an entrepreneur, I think even more critical to business success is personal life success. Yeah. Anytime my personal life has struggled, and not through anything big, not anything big, it is big, but like when my mom was sick, right? Um, and she's fine now. So I say that because okay. some yeah. people get worried. She's fine now. Um, but when my mom was sick, right, my business suffered because my mom was sick. And and anytime you have some of that in your personal life, it's going to play out in your business and and you can't help it. It's just, we're humans and and we're tied to it. Um, but I do think that making sure you have a good home life and a good personal life and a good support system. and, And we talk a lot in our programs about trust, right? Making sure you have trust filled relationships. I don't really care if that's with your family by blood or family by choice. But if you have trust-filled relationships, then your business will succeed as well because you have a foundation to build it on. And I do think that's super important and I've seen that a lot in entrepreneurship as well. Just if my family life is solid, my home life is good, my business is fine.
0: Yeah, and I mean, it makes sense because you've only got so much energy and if it's being sapped at home because you have to fight with someone all the time or whatever, how much can you bring to your job? How much can you how much excitement can you bring to your career and whatever? But.
1: Yeah. And energy is definitely a big piece of the entrepreneurship puzzle because it takes a lot. It takes a lot of energy every day to get up and chase your dreams. It's not easy. It's, true. it's easier to work for someone else, trust me.
0: Yeah, it absolutely is. <laughs> right? you well, know, because you're the you're the you're the boss and you're the employee, you know, and you can definitely you know, beat yourself up too much. And the other thing is you don't know all the things you don't know. So you're running around. You're learning
1: as you go, right? Mm -hmm. There's no manual. There's no perfect guidebook to it. Mm -hmm. And what works for person A won't work for person B. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And I think it's a lot of, um, you know, just, it takes, it adds a lot of stress and pressure. To you, in ways that I think working for somebody else doesn't as much. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like even even in looking in uh, our time right now of quarantine, where where people had to work from home, and that was a big shift, right, for people who didn't work from home before. Yeah. And and people are like, "How are you doing?" I'm like, "Well, I worked from home before, so <laughs> nope, yeah. no, change it's in my life. It's not really yeah. a change, but they're still getting paid. Me as a so as a speaker, where the majority of my income comes from being on stages at large events." Right. My income stopped. Exactly. Right. And I had to really pivot and really figure out what I was going to do because I didn't have that. Right. And and that's something that a lot of people with a job don't realize when, when they get sent home and, oh my gosh, it's an adjustment. It is, but you're still getting paid for that adjustment. Yeah. Exactly. As an entrepreneur, you're taking that on yourself and saying, actually, I'm not. Yeah. My adjustments are made while, while I'm not getting paid. And that's a lot of just pressure. It's just a lot of pressure that I think um, I will say I was not prepared for and I've run a business before, um, but this time it was different and there was a lot more pressure and a lot more stress and actually made it. So I really had to focus on my self care and stuff a lot more um, than I ever thought. And so, so now that's always something I I say to entrepreneurs, just make sure you're taking care of yourself Mm -hmm. and your own health because your business will suffer when you suffer.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So what did you do? What was your, what, what kind of adjustments did you make to your business?
1: Oh, for COVID? Um, well, um, so speaking live went away. So I learned to embrace and love webinars, which if you had asked me a year ago, if I would ever love webinars, I would have told you you were crazy Um, because it's just, it's not the same, not the same energy and all the, and I just didn't like it then. Um, Now I do them every single week, multiples, um, and I love them. In fact, in some ways I will be kind of sad when we go back (laughs) because some of the things I I don't like um, drives, I don't like long drives, I don't like commuting. I love to travel by plane and by cruise ship, Mm -hmm. but cars are not my thing. Um, So, you know, driving two hours to the other side of town to go do a one hour speech is like, right. So now, Hey, I just have to walk five feet. (laughs) <laughs> it's not bad. Um, so, so I learned to embrace the webinar. Um, now, that did mean an investment, um, and I think some of the things that we have to remember as entrepreneurs is sometimes pivoting means you're going to have to invest in your business a little bit. Yeah. Um, so we had to invest in some software. We had to invest in technology. Um, I bought a stand-up desk, so I'm sitting down right now, but it has a crank, and I can raise it up. So when I present on webinars, I'm presenting as if I were on stage, yeah. and I use a clicker and all the things. Um, so we embrace the webinar um, for sure one of the other things we did is we do um, these joy intensives these transformational weekends out of our home
0: and we've done that
1: for a while and Mm. I bring eight people into my home eight strangers who leave (laughs) as friends yay Yay. Um, so really it's just a weekend devoted to removing the roadblocks to your joy and your happiness and learning how to chase after things that you really want. Um, But we have been doing those in our home. Well, all of a sudden, can't do those
0: yeah. um
1: and so what we did is we changed it instead of two days at my house it's one day online because I thought two days online was going to be a little much a for people yeah. um, so it's one and day online and even that it's going to be a lot people got to be into it but the transformation that we're seeing is amazing um so we're doing that which again I would have never thought of doing that before this because I was always a I need to see your eyeballs and I want you to feel my energy um but now here's where we're at so we're gonna do it online <laughs> and it's gonna be great it's gonna be different but it's gonna be great um and so we've had to do that and then um you know really getting good at building my email list in a different way um using some ads writing some ebooks and using some freebies to get some audience members um those are all things that I kind of had put on the back burner beforehand because I didn't need to. I would go out, I would speak. People would come up to me afterwards, sign them up as clients into my programs, or book me the next speech, and we were good to go. That was my business. Um, so needing a way to actually capture people from an online platform and have an email list and engage with people in that way—that was a whole new thing for me. Um, but we're doing it, and it's working. So I'm not gonna—I'm not gonna complain. I know there are a lot of people who. Um, really struggled through COVID entrepreneurship wise and and definitely haven't been able to find the pivots that work for them. Um, We have been blessed in that we we pivoted quickly and we had enough, you know, being six years in business, we had enough of a base that I was able to reach out to clients and say, hey, can we go virtual? Can we do these things? And so we were really able to make that work. Um, But I mean, I live at my computer now. And that's not something I ever thought I would do. I yeah. purposefully left corporate because I hated being at my computer all day. That was one of my biggest reasons why I left. <laughs> so this is very different for me to, yeah. to be kind of stuck, quote unquote, stuck at my computer all day. Because yeah. um, it's just not how I like to do life. But it is what it is. So I'm yeah. just trying to embrace it and repositioned my um my desk, so that I look out our window. We have one window in this office, so I look out my beautiful window right now. Mostly, just watch the people uh, next door and what they're doing in their yard. But you know, it's fine. <laughs> They've got two beautiful dogs. I watch them run and play. They've got a pool, and I just think about. I wish we were better neighbors, so I could go use your pool. Um, but it's great, and I love the sunshine that comes in. And it's Texas heat right now, so it's hot. I don't want to be outside, but the sunshine that comes in is really pretty. Um, but yeah, those are some of the pivots I had to make really just pivoting into, into online hardcore in a way that I, I never thought possible. But as my husband has said to to many people he's talked to, um, what COVID gave us was the removal of the excuse. I don't have time. And I think that's true. I think if you had asked me in January, February, I would have told you I don't have time to create online courses. Right. I don't have time to do webinars. I don't have time to get an email list together or write an ebook. But now, that's not my excuse. I, get I, got, I, got, <laughs> I got time. So we've really done some things that I think, um, you know, we would we would have never done if we hadn't gone through this. So in that way, I, not that I'm thankful for COVID, but I'm thankful for the experience. Yeah.
0: Well, sure. you made some. You made lemonade, right?
1: You have to, you have to, right? I mean, I just, I just, I definitely did the, um, what is it? The five stages of grief. Like I went denial, anger, sadness. Like I did all the things. Um, I always, I always tell people, you know, this first two weeks in March, I was just like, Oh, I'm just taking an extra two weeks vacation. This is fine. Right. By the time I got to April, I was angry, angry April. That's what I called it. Angry April. I was angry all of April. I was mad at the world. by May I started making money again. Money May. So and I'm a big a person who thinks about those things. So um, so you know, it's just it, it gave me the time to to make those to make those changes to make it work. But I definitely had all the other feelings about it too. So I don't want to tell anybody like it was easy. No. There's I a lot of anger that. and a lot of sadness and a lot of horridness. Yeah. Um, it just ended up okay. Yeah. Turn the corner. So that's good. That's
0: good. <laughs> So totally changing gears a little bit. Um, Tell me about your dancing.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, everybody asks. Um, So I've been a dancer uh, my whole life. Um, I started dancing when I was, I think, two years old. My mom put me in dance class. Um, And uh, that was really my love, my passion, my career. Um, And then when I was in my mid-20s, I had um, a severe injury. And the doctors told me you will never dance again. Well, that was crap. I still dance, but, um, (laughs) but I definitely could not do it as a career anymore. Um, and so that was definitely, uh, those come to Jesus moments where you go, what am I going to do with my life? Then, um, I definitely went through all the stages of grief right then too. Uh, Definitely a lot of anger and denial. Um, but what came out of that is go back to go back to school get a degree, all of that. So all the education I, I got, I got after that injury. And if I had not had that injury, I don't know that I would be doing this. My first three businesses were dance studios located all over the world. My favorite was in Australia. Ooh. Um, I failed miserably, by the way, I failed all three of those miserably, <laughs> by the way. I'm a wonderful dance teacher, not a wonderful dance studio owner. I learned this. Um, and, uh, so I knew my next business would not be a dance studio and thank God, cause oh my gosh, all of our dance studios around here have closed during COVID. It's so sad. Um, I just got another notification last night that one of the ones I teach out of is closing. Um, so yeah, so I changed dance styles. So I had done ballet, tap, jazz, and all that stuff, all the traditional forms of dance. Um, I changed to partner dancing. So I did country and ballroom, and then ended up on uh, West Coast Swing, which is a slow style of swing. It's the national dance of California. Is it indeed, needs who to knew? Do. I didn't even know there were dances, state dances, but there <laughs> really? are, it's like the dance of California, um, anyway. Uh, so, um, super fun. Um, now it started, um, in blues clubs, um, back in prohibition days and that kind of stuff. Super cool. Um, the history of it is really cool. Um, but it's a dance. I'm not going to say it doesn't have technique and things like that. It does, but it's not as hard on my body as other dance forms. So it's something I can do around my injury, um, and and still actually made it to the champion level, and have been a head judge and an event director, and done all kinds of things for competitions and stuff all over the country, um, and uh, and love it. I still get to. I don't get to do it right now. We are on a non non dance world right now, <laughs> um, mostly because our form of dance touches each other, so <laughs> yeah. can't really do that. Um, but it's also where I met my husband. So we met dancing, um, gosh, almost 12 years ago now. Wow. Um, and so, yeah, so some of my best, my best memories are, are from there and definitely some of my best friends. And most of the entrepreneurs I coach now come to me because they know me in the dance space. And they're also entrepreneurs and then come to me for coaching in that space, which is kind of interesting. So now we have these meetups at dance events, but it's all about business. (laughs) Um, But I run those and I'm okay with it. Um, So yeah, I love it. Dance for me is, um, will always be a passion, Um, but definitely um, I think dance is what allows me to escape a lot of times um, from some of the other things in life, Um, but definitely was my, my thing. For the first 20 years and then mm-hmm. now it's on to the next thing you
0: yeah. know yeah
1: yeah
0: it was a pivot <laughs> yeah
1: definitely <laughs> definitely
0: and so what do your workshops look like
1: um nowadays we're doing um obviously webinars um but uh we do i do corporate-based webinars once a month. So those are for um, people in a corporate setting, organizations. I have a lot of leaders that go through there and supervisors, management teams, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So we have those once a month for free um, just as a way to get some teaching out to people. So like we have one coming up on positive workplace and another one on emotional resilience and just kind of big generic topics that just kind of give people some tools. Mm -hmm. Um, And then on the individual side of the house, um, we have our Joy Chaser Club, which is a monthly membership. And we have a couple of webinars around that as well. And it's really just about helping people to, to really make, I think we, we write down, I was talking about this today with a group on goal setting, because I'm a big goal setting person. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, we set goals for our work, we set goals for our health and our fitness, we set goals for our family. When was the last time you set a goal for your own happiness? I think we need to do that. I think that needs to become something that we actually focus on and prioritize. And so I, and so I try and teach people that, try and give them the skills to do that, whether it be in our transformational weekends, which is now a virtual experience, (laughs) or our joy chaser club, which is a monthly online training system, or whether it be through our webinars and our workshops is just kind of reminding people that they can write their own permission slip for life and for their joy. And making sure they set goals to achieve it.
0: Excellent. Fantastic. Yeah. So tell me, what should I have asked you that I didn't ask you? What do you want to share that I forgot to to mention? Gosh,
1: what did I want to share? That's a really good question. Um, Well, I think really the the only thing – that we really like didn't cover because we covered a whole lot of things all over the place. Um, would be, you know, if I had one kind of, um, I guess, tip or piece of advice yeah. um, for people, uh, you know, I think if, if you're somebody who's looking to to go into entrepreneurship try and find your superpower and your superpower for anybody that doesn't know your superpower is the place where your skills and your passion overlap so something that you're super good at and you super love doing that's what you need to create a business around for me what i realized is what i what i'm super good at is speaking on stage other people get scared and nervous and all that I've been a dancer my whole life. Give me the spotlight, please. I'm totally happy up there. Right? So, so that's, that's something I'm really good at, but I actually really love it. I enjoy the performance aspect. It's something I'm truly passionate about, and I think it's a great way to communicate messages. So that's my superpower. That's what I need to build a business around. Yeah. And it took me years to figure that out. So if I can shortcut this for anybody, please, it's where your skills and your passion meet, build the business around that, and you will be happy, and that will be great. Um, For those of you that are already entrepreneurs, I would say um, to remember that entrepreneurship is about freedom, and that also means the freedom to say no to things. I think sometimes as business owners, we start saying yes to everything because we feel like, oh my God, I can't turn it down. Oh my God, I can't, I can't not take that client. I can't not take that job. I can't Mm -hmm. not do that proposal. The truth is you need to work with the people that you want to work with and you need to keep yourself healthy. And so if that means saying no to people, you also have the freedom to do that. And I hope that you do. So those would be the two pieces of advice I would give.
0: Two excellent pieces of advice. (laughs) Thank you very much.
1: You are so, so welcome. It is my pleasure.
0: Stevie, thank you so much for joining us today. It was so great to talk to you, and I can't wait to connect up with you when you come visit your family in the Boston area. And thank you, listener, for sharing this journey with us today. Remember that all the stuff that we talked about today, all the resources and video and all the good stuff is on the website, getyourfillpodcast.com. Remember to subscribe so that you don't miss a single action-packed, way fun episode and definitely be sure to be here next week when we're going to talk to Susan Lintner, who is just the most, I think really the most well-rounded, interesting, one of one of the most, okay, I know a lot of well-rounded, interesting people, thank goodness, uh, lucky for me, but she's just so cool. I mean, she's going to take us from the brothels of Thailand over to, you know, just being the best possible and most interesting people that we can be. So, Please be sure to be here next week. And in the meantime, have a fantastic, beautiful week.